You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And as it's a Thursday, as always, it's the doubleheader Dream Team edition with Viv Govender from Rand Swiss and David Shapiro from Sasfin Securities. David, we'll get to the really exciting part of the conversation later on in the game. It's a boring day when you look at news from the Stock Exchange News Service because there's nothing the cupboard is bare mm-hmm. there. But when you see the Other movements... Mondi, yeah. Yeah, Mondi. Mm. But, I mean, mm. hello, Mondi. But what I'm looking at is the, the number of announcements, at least half oh, of, of what it normally is. But we can talk about Mondi in a second. And yet the market coming down quite sharply, despite the fact that the S&P is only down, what, yeah. 0.3, 0.4% or something. Yeah. Can you explain this negativity, please? You know, there's no trade as well, Lindsay. I'm just looking at trade as it goes through. We virtually around about 12 million, but the mood is very sour. There's still a lot of worries about, you know, about the the U.S. I'm talking the U.S. interest rates. Rates are creeping up. If you look, I think the 10-year is just under 5%, which seems to be some kind of barrier. And the whole, you know, the whole mm. argument is 10-year uh, at 5, you know, can, can the economy survive? We're going to hear Powell uh, 6 o'clock our time, which is about an hour's time. But I think broadly... Their concerns, and and uh, we know that we've seen the oil price creeping up, but it's not at disastrous levels at the moment. In fact, it's slightly down today, but uh, there are concerns if issues escalate in the. Viv, I'm going to ask you about the 4.95% on the US 10-year. I spoke to somebody the other day and it said, well, the market's doing for the Fed what the Fed doesn't have to do itself anymore. In in other words, raise rates. So actually, they're quite happy with it being at 4.95%. And also, I think there's a safe haven play going on, surely, because of geopolitics. Well, yes, uh, that is true. But at the same time, you know, 45 4.95%, 5% effectively. I mean, like remember we talked about it, it's 33 trillion in debt. Mm. That's 1.65 trillion a year in interest payments. You know, <laughs> that's what it is. If, if this thing carries on for a period of time and they have to roll that, like, you know, their debt into this thing, uh, it's 1.65 trillion a year. You know, it will just, uh, see what you want. I mean, I've been seeing this a lot recently. Trump, when the interest rates were like 1% or 2%, was saying this, the US should be issuing 100-year bonds. And right now, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Can you imagine saving, you know, over a trillion dollars a year? What you could do with that? That's an insane amount of money. And yeah, the, it's it's going to be quite painful for the U.S. if this thing continues in for a year or so. And they can't continue as long as the Fed is saying they 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 want to keep it this high. It just it just won't be, I think, uh, feasible uh, to keep uh, rates this high. And yet, at the same time, inflation has ticked up. We've, uh, David just talked about the oil price. Uh, you know, I've been seeing analysis around what would happen if the, if Iran was drawn into a proper conflict, something like the Iraq mm. War. But with Iran, uh, they they can close the Straits of Hormuz with very little, you know, effort. You know, mine it, uh, drone attacks, uh, which they've shown to be using against uh, Saudis by Yemen. Uh, a fifth of the world's oil goes to that place, one fifth, and a third of the world's natural gas goes to there. We're not talking about Russia pushing us to 120. We're talking about 200 plus dollar, you know, per barrel oil if the if that does happen. And the countries that are going to be most affected are actually India and China. China spent, I think, back in 2021 something like $128 billion on you know, gas and oil that travel through the Straits of Hormuz. India, I think, relies on more than half of its natural gas and oil from that place. Uh, it, it, those countries would just be destroyed. The, strangely enough, the one thing that would do very, very well is the U.S., because the U.S., uh, despite what people think, is the number one producer in the world. 
So we we talk about all these U.S. energy companies becoming incredibly wealthy, mm. but uh, yeah, this is a it's a it's a it's a big risk. I mean, it it's, it's not a very likely thing to happen, but if it does happen, the impact on South Africa would be incredibly negative. It would be in the whole world, in fact. I mean, there are two U.S. aircraft carriers in the Eastern Med at the moment. You've, they've brought in the the, yeah. the the Gerald Ford and the Dwight Eisenhower. They're there. You've got a couple of little supply ships from Britain's Royal Navy, and yeah, they're there for a reason. They they must be there for a reason. They're not just going to say. Oh, let's yes, go and I, have a look. Honestly, I, I, I don't understand why you want aircraft carriers. It, it, I think aircraft carriers are dumb because you've seen with the Russians, right? You take a multi-billion dollar aircraft carrier and maybe a million dollars worth of drones will take it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you, you've, seen, you've seen that in Russia. You've seen that in Israel where it was a tank was taken out, but a drone. You know, these, have you seen these? I mean, you can buy drones off the shelf in South Africa for a few thousand rounds. They can go half a kilometer into the air. It's insane what, the, what they look like nowadays. Uh, I mean, the idea that the, the aircraft carriers are, are, are still out there is going to be one of those things like people having horses in, in a World War One. You know, it, it, it just won't last into a proper conflict. I don't understand how it could have lost. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is the world we're living in. Well, we have to talk about military. Uh, you know issues. We have to know about these things. It's 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 a terrible, terrible situation. Okay. Yeah, talking about drones as well, David. I don't know if you were involved in Amazon, but they're testing the drone delivery. I mean, I know it's been mooted for quite a while, but they're no, actually doing no. it now. I just thought to myself, I, if some group of criminals see one no. of these things flying around, all they need to do is get a pellet gun, shoot the thing down, and steal the produce. I don't know. I think I want someone <laughs> knocking at my door. I don't want a drone flying into my garden. I, <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, drones are going to become more and more popular, and they're going to be able to take bigger, uh, bigger uh, parcels. But I think Viv makes a point. In fact, there's a, an article today in the Economist about you know what the Middle East really wants, mm. and he Viv raises a very important point for emerging markets, because if you do get escalation, if you do get oil prices going up, uh, the emerging world are more likely to suffer than the developing world, the developed world. And it's important that what Viv said, because America is self-sufficient in oil. It doesn't affect them. You know, the price goes up because it follows world trends. But, I mean, um, there's plenty of oil available and so on, and there'll be profiteering, or if that is the right word, you know, big oil companies make profits. But South Africa will suffer. South Africa, first of all, the RAND, you know, will take its value from the dollar, and uh, the rand will tank, and we'll have an oil price of 120, which becomes unaffordable for us. We're already teetering, so that you know South Africa is already teetering uh, at these kind of levels. Uh, no growth in the economy. We cannot afford um, anything like that. So I think it's it's imperative that they actually contain this war. And I think I think Lebanon doesn't want it. I don't even think Syria or any of these other countries want to you know go down that road so uh i think we're all praying and i mean this in in great sincerity yes. that this comes to an end that that there are sane forces you know that that uh, people can sit around a table or someone can bring everybody around a table and move towards something but i mean it, it is playing on people's minds it's uh um, I, I think Powell is going to play on his mind. It's going to be very interesting how he plays it. You know, Viv made another very important point um, that that uh, you know at 5% it puts a whole different perspective on on America's debt. And then they're not getting the you know they're not raising it at the kind of levels that they want to at the moment. 
a lot of the debt issuances are are being done at uh, significantly higher levels than they forecast. So it's we're in for a um, a reasonably interesting time when it comes to this. But markets are feeling the just just feeling uncomfortable. There and I must are. tell you something as yes. as 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 we were talking. Yeah. Um, I was watching the closing auction in South Africa, and we just dipped in that auction. We're down 1.4%. Ouch. So we're near the low. We we hit a low like August, the, I mean, October the 4th or something like this. So the market's down. We're down almost 2% now, almost 3%, 2.5% for the year. That's not in dollar terms. If you add dollars, it takes us down to about, I don't know, down 12% or thereabouts for the year. So it's not a pretty picture here. No, it's not. Well, let's have a look at how ugly the picture is. Me going through these spot prices. Dollar rand is not too bad. It's 19.02. The British pound against the rand is 23.11. Euro rand is 20.12. Euro dollar 105.75, which is euro that has gained 0.4%. The gold price 19.53 down a couple. Nothing happening there. Platinum doing nothing. It's up three dollars an ounce to 8.98. And palladium is virtually flat at 11.24 dollars an ounce. Now, that oil price that you referenced earlier, David, yeah, it is. It's down a bit today. It's still above mm. 90, though. Brent crude, that is. 91.18, which is mm. down a third of a percent, let's call it. And West Texas, 88.23, which is down just very, very slightly. Natural gas has fallen below three. It's 2.1% weaker. Uh, copper down half a percent. And the other stuff bumbling along, really. I haven't got a, a good iron ore price. I, I don't get the Chinese feed. But anyway, that's what's going on there. Now, this is what we've been speaking about earlier on. The capital markets, US 10-year, mm. currently, to be precise, 4.943%. I know, one day, Viv. Uh, the, the South African 10-year, 10.89%. S&P futures, as I said, not too bad. I'll just refresh my screen in case I've been leading up the garden path. No, it's... 4329, 4329 down 0.3%. So not too bad. Bitcoin 28,762, up a couple of percent. And that's about it. Viv, they were saying today that a lot of the reasons why the US bond market, uh, the bond prices have gone down, the yields have gone up, and also why there's been weakness in the US stock market or relative weakness is because the Chinese are selling in order to bolster their finances to defend their currency. Do you buy that? Look, I mean, the Chinese have been selling for a while now, and, you know, they really haven't been able to do too much here. I mean, there's always been that fear out there that, uh, you know, the Chinese were going to go out and, you know, be able to really influence U.S. markets, etc. I think, you know, quite frankly, they've been net sellers for quite some time. They're becoming a smaller and smaller percentage of what the, the total U.S. debt has been for, for quite some time. Uh I don't know if you read Ray Dalio's stuff. Uh, mm. uh, if, if you read his stuff, it's quite scary, just the kind of stuff he predicts around you know, debt and how, how countries uh, like the US and like the UK and all these, what he calls these ancient empires, you know, they, they, they go over time, and how, they, <laughs> how they rise and how they fall. He talks about the Dutch Empire, the English Empire, the US Empire, and they all have this little debt thing near the end where basically they start borrowing and the borrowing costs are going higher and higher and higher. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, look, I, I do think it's an issue, uh, but I don't think it's it's something where we have to think about the Chinese as being the major driver here. This is when the U.S. raised their, uh, the, their the amount of debt they they basically took on by half a trillion almost just a few weeks ago over a period of two weeks. Uh, 
that's, that's an insane level. The, the, the numbers are going quite crazy in terms of just how much they're borrowing at the moment. Yeah. So what you're saying is the Chinese, yeah, they may be selling for, for good reason, but they're not trying to disrupt yeah. the US market to be spiteful. Oh, no, is that no, what you're saying? Not, yeah. No. yeah. Yeah, okay. and it's, 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 this is a US problem. This is not China causing it. This is a US issue. Okay, good. David, I want to look at the, the, the JSE again. I said that the Stock Exchange News Service was doing nothing, but there was a Mondi announcement, and the share price yeah. is the biggest loser on my screen today, nearly 7% down. What happened? Just a poor quarterly trading statement. Mm. Um, demand falling. Um, I think they were able to pick up their uh, prices on 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 their uh, you know corrugated packaging but that's uh, that's over um, on all the other issues on all the other products that they produce craft paper and so on it's uh, demand coming down and prices coming down so um, it's it's not you know it's not an easy picture things are difficult if we look at where they were last year um, the earnings are, you know, significantly down. So I think that's um, disappointing. But but it's a difficult industry. You know, it's it's. I think there were excesses uh, in the industry. I know that they've. I think they've sold off their um, Russian plant now. Uh, there was a little bit of action when they they announced that. But 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 it's not it's not an easy industry at the moment. You know, in an environment where things are slowing down. Um, I'm talking globally. Um, that you know they're directly involved in e-commerce and uh, in consumption. You know whatever whatever you consume, it involves them. So disappointing. I, Lindsay, you know we're beginning to kind of question. Uh, I, I liked what Viv called you know ancient empires, and I think we're beginning to now question some of the legacy stocks and some of the legacy recommendations that we've made and say, hold on a sec, you've got to go back and review. Do we really want to hold this? Is there something better that we can hold? And I'm getting that view about uh, Mondi, you know, and, and I get the same view about British American Tobacco and ABN Bev and so on. Yes, they're they're decent companies, and they're making decent profits. But you're not going to grow rich from holding them, you know. It doesn't they're not they're not growth companies. They're not at the forefront of technological revolution or anything like that. And I start to say, why am I holding these? <laughs> yeah, if you are. I think so, it would be a very interesting exercise Monty, for, both, for mm, you in mm. particular, David, because in your own way, because of your experience and time in the market, you are a JSC historian. And you could go mm. back maybe five, as recent as five years ago, 10, 15, 20, et cetera, and say, what were the stocks that I used to look at? Or what mm. were the stocks that were the big mm. traders? What were the stocks that made up the all-share index in terms of market cap, etc. And I think you would be startled by that because the JSE, in a way, is a fallen empire, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt about that. You know, it's it's certainly not what it was. Uh, if I take companies, um, I'm, I'm trying to find Mondi here, but I can't uh, see how it's performed over the year. But, I mean, if I look at uh, Impala so far this year, this is platinum, down 60%. Pick and pay down 56%. Cap, we loved cap. You know, it came out of the Eusta um, stable. It was a very good, well-balanced business uh, around furniture um, and other industries here. You know, an industrial business, a manufacturer, down 54%. And so we go. Uh, wherever I look, I see these big, you know, these big drops. I'm saying, 
okay, so why am I why am I hanging on here? I, I must admit I'm not really exposed to the South African market, very, very little. Yes. But still, I like to look at the numbers and I like to go through it and say, am I missing something? You know, that's that's the point that I bring up today. Is there something I should be looking at uh, in the market? So, yes. um, um, and, and, and I'm beginning to question. So, Mondi over the year is flat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's done over the last seven years or eight years, I think it's flat. Look at <laughs> yeah. that. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like eight years of flatness, Monday. But it did <laughs> well, didn't saying. it? Wasn't it? I mean, forgive me, mm-hmm. I'm not as clever as you chaps. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't it a spin off from Anglo American and it completely outperformed Sappy, for mm-hmm. example, in the first couple of years since mm-hmm. that spin off? Or am I talking nonsense? Was it an Anglo American oh, spin off? No. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was an Anglo American spin off. Yeah. Mm. And then it spun off Impact here yeah, locally. Yes, but uh, you know, you're, I'm just looking. I'm looking at uh, Viv. I'm just going back. Yeah, it's done nothing. Yeah. I'm just looking for <laughs> since 2016. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely nothing. So why am I holding it? You know, why are we buying it? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have it. But I'm saying, why are we discussing it? You know, the same thing. Not, not. I sorry, I don't mean that in a disrespectful view. But I'm saying. It's, it's indicative of, of the South African market. We're an old economy made up of old economy stocks. Um, so, yeah, I, I did. I had quite a good day today. I was going through a lot of, you know, trying to look for companies and going through many, many, just looking at the charts and going back to what they do and, and uh, you know, where we should be. And this is globally. Yeah. So, you know, when I come back, this this wouldn't have even registered on my – on, you know, today. It's the same. Viv mm. set, set up mm. an innovative mm. AI fund mm. and is, is doing stuff which, sadly at the moment, mm. has, got, has got nothing to do with South Africa. Maybe a company will relocate to Cape Town or something because of forward-thinking government incentives and uh, there's some talented people in, in South Africa. But neither of you really are sitting down and poring over the numbers from Mondi because you might want to invest after eight years of it going flat and doing nothing. You might think, well, maybe maybe next year's the year and I'll get a 10% return or something. But I can't. I, I, I just get the impression that you two chaps are not going to be doing that, which I like. But we have to report upon it anyway. Let me give you some other numbers here. Alexander, so I presume that's Alexander Forbes, up 1.7%. WBHO up 1.5%. Resilient up 1.3%. Momentum Metropolitan up one2 I can't get excited about any of those companies. Richemont, I can, up a percent. Mondi, down 7%. Implats, down 5 and 3 quarters. Sibanye, 4 and 3 quarters down. Anglo-American Platinum, 4.3%. This is like people just throwing in the towel and saying... You know, mm. PGMs, what do we need them for? And uh, one day they'll they'll be bitten by that. They'll come back and these platinum stocks will bite know. them. I, Data tick down for the quarter. Sorry, David, go on. I'm just arguing on this, this platinum market's worrying me. Hmm. <laughs> it's just not going anywhere. Palladium price, I know the rhodium price kicked up a little bit. It's come down dramatically. Uh, so, you know, there was a little bit of a, a bounce, but palladium and platinum are just keep going down and the shares keep going down and uh, and everybody says it's going to be bottoming we might be doing that now but there's no great uh, belief that this is uh, you know that, that there's going to be a huge demand for platinum and that the platinum prices are going to scream up higher i think i don't think even the new ceo of anglo platts believes that so um there again we're in a difficult situation here you know for for our market because it's one of the big 
it, it makes up a lot of the resource index. You know, gold shares are, are kind of falling away. So all, all the time, uh, Lindsay, um, the opportunities to make money on our market are just you know, flitting away. Yeah. Um... I, know, I know your friends like to look at companies you know, that are worth $10 billion or <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, friends. Know. <laughs> I don't have any friends. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Some of these smaller caps, but you can't. You can't really get depth in them. You can't really buy big chunks of these companies. Of course you can't. Viv, what do you think about PGMs? I mean, they were, you know, I remember working for an asset management company and the bloke who's no longer with us was in charge said, platinum is the only game in town. Just load up and they loaded up. And I also spoke to somebody just a couple of days ago who said, I'm starting to build my commodity position in platinum shares. And I started with Anglo-American platinum when it just dipped below a thousand rand a share because it had come down from two and a half thousand. And I thought, well, that's pretty reasonable. It's now 669, for goodness sake. What is your impression on these white metals? Okay, the thing is that platinum is such a weird thing in that so much of the demand for platinum uh, comes from, like I said, it's catalytic convergence. It's, it's such a huge source of demand for this thing it's like a it's if, if, if you look at the other stuff out there but but the but the catalytic converters basically is the single largest you know source of demand and okay we have tesla coming out with stuff uh, we can talk about that but uh, the share price is down almost 10 percent today because he's cutting prices like mad you know and that's cutting into profits but the price cuts i mean if, if you if you saw a company cutting prices like this normally you think they try to go for monopoly position in this in a market which it does seem to be he's going for at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, with EVs, the EVs are taking off like mad, not just in the US, uh, but in Europe, in China. Everybody's doing EVs. Uh, unless there's going to be an uptick in hybrids for some reason, or unless we can have a return of the internal combustion engine, platinum is is, is going to be going the way of the horse, effectively. You know, oh, there's going to be horses around. <laughs> but they aren't going to be in like, demand. You'll have, you'll have platinum jewelry, you'll have all this stuff. But the, the industry was not built to basically get you platinum rings or platinum necklaces. It was built for catalytic, catalytic converters, that kind of demand. If that demand goes away, you know, we, we, we can't justify the, the kind of production and prices we have right now. Prices might go up, you know, over time. But it won't go up at this production level. You know what I mean? Mm, gosh. Lindsay had an interesting, just on that, had a very interesting presentation the other day from a commodity trader based in Singapore. Yeah. And he was talking, we were talking about all the different prices, but he was talking about coal. And he sees coal 120, 130 versus where it is around the moment, about you know, 140, 150. He doesn't see anything particular happening. And he said that, in Australia, one of the businesses or one of the companies wanted to raise money for a very high quality um, metallic coal company. And he says they couldn't raise money. Hmm. Not one bank would allow them, give them any kind of finance to develop the mine, a new mine or uh, a new area. And they had to go to the private market to raise money. And he said, you know, there still is a demand from certainly emerging countries that still use a lot of coal uh, to fire, you know, in fire, in fire, uh, sorry, in power stations. And uh, he says you couldn't get, you couldn't get finance. And I think that's the attitude, you know, that's that's the way. Nobody wants to be associated. So Viv's right. I think this is the world's going that way, even though. There are a lot of people, and correctly so, believe that we're still going to need oil, we're still going to need coal, but it's going to, and of course, this is going to hurt supply. But I mean, it does make it very difficult to to increase your supply or decrease your project.
and more people will then be forced to go EVs or want to go. That's their choice. Last week was London Metal Exchange Week, where all the producers, all the consumers, all the traders, brokers, uh, investment community that's got anything to do with commodities get together. And there's a big black tie dinner, one of the biggest in London, actually. It's an annual event at Grosvenor Hotel. And I was talking to someone who was there and who covered it. He said he was doing 12 interviews a day. He's an investor for a large asset management company. And he said that what they do is they sit down and they fix a price for the year. Say, I used the example of copper. And he said, yeah, they, they sit down. The Chinese sit down with, with the producer and they say, OK, we'll give you $100 a tonne over the average LME yeah. price to be delivered. But you've got to guarantee delivery. And all that sort of thing goes on for a year ahead. And he said the, the mood is, was cautious at the beginning. But he thinks that 2024 is going to be a big year for commodities, given what he's just seen. Maybe these people had been sourcing it up a little bit too much at the bar after the dinner or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it sounded to me, because he's, he's a very conservative young man, he thinks that next year is going to be very good. And I hope so, for South Africa's sake, because otherwise, right. yeah. It didn't include PGMs, by the way. It was just the the, the, the base. No, it's LME Week, London Metal Exchange. Yeah. It's a copper, aluminium, nickel, lead tin and, and zinc, but obviously terribly, terribly important metals. For he was bullish, funny, yeah. Hugely Copper bullish. seems to be the mm. area. Yeah, mm. Copper seems to be the one that everybody's bullish about. Nickel, uh, Indonesia, big supply. Lithium, nah, <laughs> don't touch it. Mm. And mm. Uh, what, what were the others? Aluminium, good. Good outlook for aluminium. Very good outlook no, for uh, aluminium, uh, yeah. yes. He, he uh, said that, yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, there are areas. But, I mean, you know, we're talking PGMs and uh, no. we're talking coal. And those are two areas where not, you know, just uh, – I don't want to call them old metals, but associated with, um, you know, with fuel, David, combustible engines. Mm? David, give us the closing JSC indices, please, and the final... Not pretty. ...value <laughs> traded, please. Go on. Sorry, nor are okay, you, so, so go so, on. <laughs> All shared down 1.4%. Okay. 1.4 at 7.0961. With a, big, with a big whack coming from 4 o'clock our time. So the last hour was quite, um, you know, quite tough. Um, the... All the damage was in the resources. The resource index down 2.2%, mm. with precious metals and mining, that's gold and platinum, down 3.1%. Uh, banks held up. They were only down about a quarter of a percent. The broader financial index, pretty similar, down just uh, a quarter percent. But then industrials down uh, quite a lot, down 1.75%. Although on the consumer side, I think that you mentioned that gain in Richmond, that somehow steadied what I, I look at a consumer consumer discretionary uh, index, which was up slightly. That was the only index that I could find was up. Another area that we're finding pressure on, um, Lindsay, is the property sector. Yes. You know, all of a sudden it's starting to feel uh, a slowing economy and also rising rates and the prospect of even further rate hikes here. So that's that's been under pressure recently as well. But broadly, not a good day. And how much? Traded. Uh, the, oh, the trade I mentioned to you just before we yeah uh, the final number. Auction, it was twelve, just about just over thirteen billion. With a, with a third of that, and with Naspers making up ten percent, I think a lot of that came uh, as we were talking. You know, a lot came in the closing auction, and that 
Right. Uh, so it's not a big, you know, this is small trade. This you, one can't survive. The stock exchange can't survive on these kind of numbers, you know, and they have to extract money from elsewhere. Okay, well, hopefully they do. Now, before we started this podcast, there was a little bit of off-air chat, which um, Viv and I were fascinated by. Viv, of course, has a young family, so uh, his Saturdays are taken up mostly <laughs> putting words into his mouth. But David, you can you can sit down in front of a telly, and so can I. And I can say to myself, right, I'm going to do this, pizza takeaways and that sort of thing, and a glass of beer here, etc. You gave me one of the most extraordinary sporting schedules that I've ever heard before. So if you could go through it, please, just to titillate our fancies after a bad day on the JSC. Okay. So 10.30, Saturday morning, England versus South Africa, World Cup cricket. Okay. That goes on for most of the day. Yeah. One one thirty our time, the derby, the Liverpool derby, Liverpool versus Everton. The Merseyside okay, derby, Liverpool Everton. Okay. Merseyside, sorry. Yeah. Merseyside derby, and then that. So that's at one thirty our time. Four right. o'clock, hmm. Man City versus Brighton. You know, Brighton supposedly the up and coming team. And they, and Man City having lost their good. last two games, so yeah. anything yeah. could happen so, there. Yep. Very good contest. I hope it lives up to its billing. Mm. Then at uh, 6.30 is Arsenal versus uh, Chelsea. Well, it's Chelsea versus Arsenal. Chelsea have started to score goals. They finally might be finding their foot, and Arsenal hopefully can you know, withstand this. Uh, I, I don't know. After the internationals, we always, always have issues. And then at 9 o'clock, it's a rugby. It's uh, England, South Africa. Oh, my goodness So a uh, big, big game at 9 o'clock. So they're... What's that? Five, hey? five different uh, uh, really good sporting events that you can watch. Okay, so and the I've... cricket will go on throughout the day, you know, so you can you can keep changing channels. Yeah, I'll have to have my laptop <laughs> in front of me on the table, the coffee table, and the TV mm. in the background. I'll be switching away and going mad. And, of course, you missed out. I mean, on, on Friday night, the weekend's football kicks off, David, with Rotherham Ipswich live on Sky Sports. So, I mean, oh, <laughs> come on now. just goes on and on. Viv has kept very quiet during this. Will you watch any of those games, Viv? Oh, yeah, I'll probably watch the cricket and the rugby because, you know, obviously it's uh, the national teams playing here. But I just had to point out the fact that, you know, uh, if you had to talk to me last week before the France-South Africa match yes. and said which of the teams are going to be in the finals, which of the teams are most likely to go up, I would have picked the cricket team because it was going unbelievably well. Mm. I mean, you know, thrashing Australia, those kind of things. And then, you know, <laughs> in like a place of a week, the, the rugby became magical and the cricket became the opposite of magical, basically. Uh, you know, Netherlands, I, you yeah. guys, you Dutch, uh, <laughs> point at you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're very resourceful people, I have to say that. Yeah, go on. England lost to Afghanistan. Yeah, and you have to remind (laughs) me of that. Did you really have to remind me? England have got to win five of their last six games just to get into the semi-finals, and they will not beat the Proteas. They're down in the dumps. They're rubbish. And whatever happens on Saturday night, I tell you, the humiliation that I'm going to suffer on Monday morning, I've already booked my psychiatry appointment. (laughs) 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 gentlemen thank you very much for your time as always david shapiro is from sassoon securities in johannesburg viv governor is from rand swiss and that was the five o'clock shadow the views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of lindsay williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.